Welcome to this teaching by Pastor Shola Adio. Praise the Lord. Um, last week we um, spoke about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And um, we were able to see from the scriptures that the death of Jesus Christ opened the way for us into the holiest of all. And we're able to see also that, you know, it's not just that it opened the way for us into the holiest of all alone, but what do we do when we get into the holiest of all? What does it signify? Or what benefit is that to us? And um, we're able to trace back um, using what they call typology into the book of Esther to see the significance of us coming into the holiest of all. We saw that situations that appeared to be casting stone on the outside, that's situations that the flesh tells us that is already casting stone, were able to get reversed as soon as we were able to make an entrance into the holiest of all. And we saw the way um, Esther went about it, which was the fact that they had to pray. And they, in those days, they, you had to be invited. It had to be by protocol. And we also see that even the high priest had to go in there by protocol on an annual basis to make atonement for the sins of the people. And um, if he did not go there by the protocol invitation then is to the risk of death and no one else could also go in there and then the temple the veil in the temple coming down signified that it was no longer a restricted place it was now open to all of us but then again you also want to look at it from this angle um, if no matter how good you are you know technically let's say that um you're very good in what you do, right? And then you get a job. No matter how good you are technically, the first day you report for work, some, even though you've been given a pass that unlocks every door in that building, someone still has to take you to where the toilets are. <laughs> On your first day of work. They have to take you to where the vending machine is. They have to take you to where the restaurant is. You, you don't just hit the ground running in that sense. that They just give you the pass. And in, in, in that one day, you figured out everywhere you need to go. So whoever is bringing you into the building will, would have issued your pass and then take you around and you actually use your pass to let yourself into all those places. Same thing too. We've been given access into the holiest of all. Our past is now working, but the Holy Spirit needs to show us where everything is. And that is the purpose of Revelation. Revelation is to show us the access and the rights that we already have. But make no mistake about it, you already have that access. I already have that access. If we have not answered that question yet, we've not even started Christianity. So it doesn't matter whether it's a 
a pastor who's been in the business for 40 years or someone who is struggling to read the Bible in the last two weeks, it doesn't matter which one. All of us have the access. All of us. And that access is the same. Hallelujah. That access is the same. Do you know what I mean by being the same? It means that if I am to pray to God, and you are to pray to God, our prayers carry the same weight before God. You are not going to hear that everywhere. Because the way I keep you coming to church is to tell you that my prayers get heard better than yours and quicker do you understand so that's where I keep you coming (laughs) in that sense that okay my prayers are stronger than yours if I do the praying it works better stronger and faster so that, that way I'll keep you coming and I'll keep you um, tied to my apron strings. But the truth of the matter is that we have equal access. So if there is someone to be raised from the dead, there is just a question of who wants to go. It's not a question of who can do it. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we have equal access. You know, at times, you know, you look at you, you look at natural life, and you know, when you weigh both of them, it's like you pick things in your culture that you can use in explaining Christianity. You pick things in other cultures that you can use in explaining Christianity. Um, I think someone came to town, came to the UK some years back, and um, uh, she's someone that we've known for quite a while. She's a lot younger than me, and uh, she rang me one day and said, "Look, I'm." That you know, I'm not comfortable here. That you sat, that you sat down there in the city and you're working. That can't you get me a job to be serving you tea in the office? And I said to her, I said, man, they don't serve tea here. <laughs> I told, I told her straight away. I said, they don't serve tea here. I said, even the topmost man in this building, we meet at the coffee machine. <laughs> that he has to carry his body to the vending machine <laughs> to get his own coffee. And I said, to even make, to even rub the thing in, he has to queue up behind us. <laughs> So I said, there's no chance. (laughs) Now, what does that mean? It means we have equal access to the vending machine. So when I get there before him, he queues up behind me. Even out of intimidation, if I say, oh, you go, you go, he will refuse. We just say, no, no, no. (laughs) Hallelujah. So we have equal access. Forget about what the government is saying. They are not the champions of equal rights. We are the ones who have equal rights in the kingdom. (laughs) Hallelujah. That is liberating. 
the truth of the matter is that you don't need me to be around when you are faced with a challenge. You have everything that it takes on the inside of you to face that challenge and to lick it. Hallelujah. And that is the gospel. <laughs> so let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And see how far we get today. 1 Corinthians, the first part of the chapter I'll go through quite quickly. And then the second part will begin to will settle down a bit on it. Let's start from verse. Let's start from the first verse. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and he rose again from the the third day according to the scriptures, and he was seen of Cephas, that's Peter, then of the twelve, after that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain unto us unto this present but some are falling asleep after that he was seen of james then of all the apostles and last of all he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time now you see what he has done here is that he's told us a story like a range i mean a sequence of events you know the things that happened jesus died on the cross for our sins according to the scriptures was raised from the dead not only was he raised from the dead he was cited by people and by the apostles effectively what he's done in a few verses is give giving us a historical perspective of what happened but you see even though these things happened the apostles who were with Jesus in the natural, in the flesh, did not have the same understanding and the same grasp that he had of the gospel. And do you know why they didn't have it? Which might also give you a clue on how you can grow spiritually was that Jesus was around them. He was with them. So they knew him more in the flesh. And because they knew him in the flesh, your flesh is always battling against your spirit. So you will look at Jesus. Jesus was just like, how do I put it now? Just like as I'm talking to you now, we are all flesh and blood and in those, so you can then imagine in those days, one person out of the people that could possibly be saying things to people now says that I'm Jesus, I'm the Messiah. And you still won't fully grasp it. You still will not fully grasp it that can this be the Messiah because they've always been trained to think that the Messiah will drop supernaturally 
in royal robes out of the skies. So to even think that he was born in a manger and all those kind of things, it didn't even click to them at all that this could be the Messiah. Even the apostles didn't know him that well. Which explained why at the time he died, they bolted off. They even called Peter and said, I don't know him. So effectively, the ministry of Jesus had crumpled as soon as he died. (laughs) You understand? There was, you know, Jesus was the bishop. He had died. There was even no next bishop. All of them had scattered. So see what Paul did now. So Paul gave us that historical perspective. And then he moved. And now said that lastly it was seen of me also one born in due time. The first time Paul saw Jesus was, you know, on his way to the Damascus or where was he going, you know. And that still was at the level of Peter and the rest. Because Jesus appeared to him in a vision. You know, open vision, you know, why are you persecuting me and all that. And then he got blind and then he got saved. And then he got filled with the Spirit. But from that point on, Paul was not really with the apostles when Jesus was walking on the ground. And you see, it was difficult for those guys to have grasped the full extent of what Jesus was doing because he ate the same food with them. If they had to put their hands in the same plate, Jesus too put his hands in the plate with them. It's not like they served his own specially. He was there with them. He was their pali. In that sense. So they couldn't fully grasp it until when Paul came and because Paul did not have that privilege he had less hindrances in taking in what God was showing him about the gospel now what do we learn out of that it means that if you seek after the spectacular alone just like that you will miss out of the sort of foundation that Paul had. And you see, it was this foundation that made him last longer and more effective than the other apostles. Jesus appearing to you now in person. may not have as much impact on your future than you receiving a revelation from him through your spirit. Because even with the... uh, What did Peter say? When Peter was going to die, what was his parting words? He said, we saw him in his full glory. We went to the Mount of Transfiguration. Everything was booming. The thunder, the lightning, everything. We saw the open vision. So Peter saw Elijah, Moses, Jesus. And they said, let us build a tabernacle for them. So after seeing all that, 
what did he now leave us with he said even though i saw all those but we have a more sure word of prophecy that you should take heed unto so that I actually saw all these things but they may not have as much value as that sure word of prophecy hallelujah which is what is being de-emphasized in favor of seeking after the spectacular but really this is the root of the spectacular and you can't tell me that paul didn't have the works to show for what he believed do you understand he had the works and he had the proof to validate his revelations the healings were there the miracles were there a viper hung on to him and people said if for that viper to hang to your hand you must have offended god that you definitely will die <laughs> do you do you do you understand what that means it means that we are all of us here as christians we all fear god right let's assume we all fear god so something now happens and all of us have that consensus that this time around though it was god that sent you that one so we can't even help you <laughs> and what did paul do threw it in the fire let's move on <laughs> meant that he believed something else than what they believed Not that the people hated him, but they just said, ah, man, it is God doing this one, so we can't help him. (laughs) Hallelujah. So it's very powerful. Let's read on. And it says, for that I am the least of the apostles, that I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Now, if Christ be preached, that he rose from the dead, I'll say say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead. Now, the problem they were having there was that some, you know, they were a bit mixed up that, okay, um, if people die before Jesus comes, what happens to them? That will they still be raised from the dead and, you know, be in heaven with everyone else who is still alive when jesus comes so they were mixed up about that so paul wanted to straighten that out but you see the thing about paul was that in straightening that out he will first of all take you to the root to the foundation and then drag you all the way through and you see in doing that he will throw up so many other things that these guys did not even ask for that if you read with an open mind and with the spirit of god you'll just be blessed to your socks and he says but if there be no resurrection of the dead then is christ not risen so what he's saying there is that if you are saying that there's no resurrection 
then you are disputing the fact that Christ rose from the dead. Because if Christ rose from the dead, we are also going to rise if we fall asleep before Jesus comes back. And he says, and if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are also found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. So what Paul is anchoring his argument on is that as long as we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, the dead also shall rise with him on the last day. At least the dead in Christ. So, he then goes on to say that, um, then they also, verse 18, which are falling asleep in Christ, are perished. Which is not the case. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So we are all going to be made alive in whatever form, whether we are still here or we are falling asleep when Jesus comes. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. So he sort of like said, look, it's, this is the sequence. Is Christ first because he is the first fruit and then every one of us. Then he went on to say, then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall put down, have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. So he's believed that um, he's going to reign through the body of Christ, you know, and all that till all his enemies come under his feet. And he says the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. So now let's begin to, you know, sort of like... Um, you know pay some attention now he says the last enemy to be destroyed is death you see one of the things about resurrection is that resurrection um, makes nonsense of mockery rather of death and when it makes mockery so if you now ask me but people have died before it doesn't matter it still makes mockery of death because they're still going to arise again hallelujah that's why it's believed i mean you know christians sing song about heaven but they're actually afraid to go to heaven (laughs) (laughs) hallelujah (laughs) 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 Uh, did i hit you on the wrong side Okay, I will continue. <laughs> he says, For <laughs> the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, for he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Else, what shall they do which are baptized for the dead, if the dead rise not at all? When, why are they then baptized for the dead? And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? So he said that why are we conducting baptism for people? 
putting them in water and bringing them out if the dead is not going to rise so that why do we go through jeopardy jeopardy meant that if they catch you baptizing people for christ then they will literally kill you so why do we risk our lives doing what makes no sense you know, so that was what he was trying to say to them. I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Then verse 33, be not deceived, evil communication corrupt good manner. So what he's trying to say is that your associations will affect the manifestation of of resurrection power in your life but let's just carry on from here as in it it will affect it even though it is true resurrection power is true it is real but you may not see the effect of it because of the associations that you keep they affect what you believe and they eventually affect what happens to you but let's read on awake to righteousness and sin not for some have not the knowledge of god i speak this to your shame verse 35 but some man will say how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come this is where we're going now it's what the way paul you know wrote this chapter is like the things that can easily throw up doubts in people's minds it will ask it says some man will say how will this happen or did this happen and then it goes on to give an answer to it and that is where we are going to zero in so he started by telling them that christ died and then christ rose from the dead and then he also went on to say that if he rose from the dead it means that all of us whether dead or alive at the time jesus comes will go with him that's his own and then a question now seeps in which is okay we can understand if because we saw jesus or some people saw jesus rising up into the heavens in his resurrected body so maybe we can understand that someone who is alive can also go up that same way but what about a guy who died who was buried all the flesh around these bones have rot they are rotting off it's just a bag of bones left in the coffin and then you now say to us that he's going to rise from the dead so our question is this which body is he going to have when you raise him from inside that coffin that was the question there in answering that question that paul was so full of revelation that he thought whoever asked that question must actually be a fool (laughs) that this thing is so simple but really really is it simple (laughs) hallelujah then he went on to say thou fool that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die that's where we come to the seed 
any time you sow a seed, it must die before it can produce. Hallelujah. Let me tell you one of the ways that a seed would have to die. It means that when I, let's say I have this amount of money here, and I give it to this sister here, I say, oh, I've given it to you. Now, that's a seed. The way the seed dies, it, you know, let's say you help somebody. You know, humanly speaking, you would expect that the day you two need some help or need some attention and you ring that person up, and you ring that person up, there's, you would expect some form of um, response, reciprocatory response, right? How many of us have done that before and the response we got was next to Neil and you felt offended? Let me see your hands up. If you expected someone to respond to you in a certain way because of how good you have been to that person and the person did not, wasn't up to scratch at all. See, all of us have been through that. You see, it is at that point that the seed dies. So, if that person responded, the seed is still alive. (laughs) But for God to kick in, for resurrection power to kick in, in fact, that person literally needs, in some cases, that person will hate you. (laughs) Hallelujah. And you see, that's part of your Christian walk in God. Is part of it. Jesus experienced it. So it's no big deal for us to experience it. I can give you catalogs. Look, many years ago, there was a lady, she came to our fellowship then. Everything was messed up. No paper, marriage in tatters, everything. So we didn't even know where to start. We just started, yeah, and we were just praying. And praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. So even immigration too was in tatters, everything. So, but that's by warfare, by everything, she managed to get this job. So, by the time she arrived at getting this job, there was no money left to do anything. It was that bad. And because I go to work with TM Lewin shirts, right? So, she came to our house that day to collect one of my own shirts. To where to walk the following day. This is not a man. <laughs> so it, it's just that she was just hoping that nobody will check which direction the button and the hole is on the shirt. Hallelujah. Three years, barely three years later, four years later. She was the greatest opponent of our marriage. She would ring everybody up on her phone book. <laughs> That's saying things 
designed to destroy our marriage. She rang this woman up. She rang one woman up. And this woman came to our house with her face falling like this. So I said, what happened? And we didn't have a child then. I said, what happened? Say so and so person called me and said that um, you were trying to make a child outside your marriage and it all went wrong. I said, did I hear you correctly? <laughs> I said, who said that to you? I said, mention the person's name. I said, that one? <laughs> I said, we didn't have a child then, so anything was believable. So I said to her, I said, okay, since she told you, bring her and let's discuss. Of course, she refused to, she refused to come because she knew what she was doing. It was years after we had a child that it took her months to track me. She was trying to track me on Facebook. I didn't even respond at all. So she, she eventually tracked me down one day and said... She needed that she wanted to come and see us. In fact, that day, I rang up all my friends and said, this person says she wants to come. What should I tell her? Because I don't know what she's coming with next. <laughs> they just said, okay, just, just let her come and hear her out. She came to say sorry. But the damage, as in the wound, was deep. Let me just say that to you. But that's to show you what it means for a seed to die. When a seed dies, it means that it is no longer of benefit to you. So it meant that the seed we sowed into everything, prayers, money, everything, was no longer a benefit to us. So that is what it means for a seed to die. So it's part of Christianity that we now get used to it. That you do things for people and in three weeks time they may not even want to see you eye to eye again. And humanly speaking you'll be wondering what happened here but it's part of the sequence. The seed has to die. And when the seed dies, you start looking up to God for resurrection. Hallelujah. He says, Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be but bear grain. It may chance of wheat or some of some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. Let's take something else again. What Paul was trying to say here is that when a seed is sown, the result we get out of it does not appear like the exact seed that was sown. What he's trying to say is that when you put this seed that you can see, this tiny seed, you put it in the ground, 
the resultant effect of that tiny seed is a tree that does not look exactly like a seed. Did you get that? Even though we know that the tree is an orange tree because we put an orange seed in the ground. So an orange seed gave us an orange tree. But what he's saying is that the seed in physical shape and form never looks like the tree. And that it is God that gives that seed its own body. Let me quickly explain that spiritually. We had a friend, I won't talk much about it, but I'll just give you the bit that is relevant to what I've just said. We have a friend, with, um, you just might know him, Pius Oshinaga. You know him, good. So we had not spoken to him for years, donkey years, but we've been linked on Facebook. So we eventually, eventually got to talk to Muni yesterday, and I was listening to his testimony. They were married, well, said he married quite late, but it just wasn't happening. Every month, it was a painful period, no sign of them, you know, going to have a child. Doctors told them, forget it, you need to get on IVF, but he just had this reaction that he was not going to do IVF. He was was even more uh, was even more blunt than me. When they told us, I didn't even react to the doctor. I didn't even react to money. So, but he reacted to both doctor and his wife. That well, I am not going to do IVF. And I'm not going back to see that doctor. So the wife was, was so upset. Rang up his friends. Said, please talk to him. <laughs> but what he said, you know, that really struck me. was that He said he went back to the scriptures. And he was meditating on the scriptures, looking at the scriptures, putting in the scriptures into his mind about this situation, that now I need to address this situation. He said that went on for weeks, and that one day he was crossing, zebra crossing, so it's like dual carriageway, he's gone through the first half, it was at that instance that the revelation dropped in his heart. On those scriptures, I was going to have a child just before he was going to cross the second half of the road. So it was like the cars were, you know, he just stopped and cars were waiting for him to pass. And it was revelation that was happening. (laughs) And then he walked across. Long and short, the wife got pregnant. And then he said something that struck me. Now, what was the seed he was trying to sow for? He was trying to sow a seed for pregnancy, as in sowing the seed of God's word for his wife to get pregnant. But see what came out of it. When he picked up his phone to call his dad in Nigeria, tell his dad that my wife is now pregnant. His dad said to him, oh, that's what I've been waiting to hear. As from today, I'm no longer a Muslim. I'm going to church. By the time, this was telling him that I was pregnant. By nine months, when he was going to deliver, the lady was going to deliver, the dad was already phoning 
and quoting scriptures in Yoruba language that these are the scriptures you must be telling her, you know. <laughs> Isaiah 66 quoting the, the <laughs> quoting the scriptures Muslim so now what does that tell me it tells me that it was God that gave that seed the body even you yourself don't know the body you only just put the orange seed there expecting to have orange but you don't even know how glorious the body that God has designed for your seed all that we're just waiting to do now is don't keep the seed alive again just let it die when that trouble was coming against us that time we just had to let it die. That, you know, because, so if I now meet you and I'm now recounting to you, can you imagine that girl? See what we did for her. She wore my shirt to work. She did, by the time I'm doing that, you know what I'm doing? I'm resuscitating that seed. <laughs> it's not dying. And as long as it's not dying, there's no resurrection power. <laughs> so just leave it to die. So the seed did not look in any way, shape, or form like the body. So it even means that that body, you see, so one thing led to another thing, and then it's going to lead to more things, and that's how miracles happen in your life. One miracle will trigger another one, because you are talking about a body given to a seed, and that body is still evolving. You know, it's just like if you watch a Cinderella when, you know, the, where did those, um, you know, those guys that were pushing the carriage, where they came out, you know, it was evolving. It, because if you've never seen it before, you don't know what is going to come out of it <laughs> eventually. The first time I saw it, I was like, oh, oh, okay, okay. So, how is she going to get there? Then, ew, then, then you just saw things began to change. <laughs> That's the same way. You don't know what is going to come out of that seed. But just allow it to die. Hallelujah. We'll just press the pause button here again. <laughs> because <laughs> Uncle Sam has to get somewhere in good time. So we'll try to you know, finish up this um, chapter next week. Should have been this week. Now we are pushing it to next week. <laughs> Hallelujah. You got something out of this? Hallelujah. We give God all the praise. So you see, resurrection power is not for Easter Sunday alone. It's for every single day of our lives. Hallelujah. And that is going to be our prayer. That this revelation dawns on us. Of the access that we have in Christ Jesus. And once we have that revelation... It doesn't matter what is going on on the outside. It doesn't matter whether we have encouraging signs or discouraging signs. We hold on to what we believe and eventually we're going to see the body that God has given to the seeds that we are sowing. Hallelujah.
Amen. Got something out of this? Let's thank God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the things that you have shown to us today. We thank you for the revelation of your word. And Lord, we look forward to this revelation producing a strong image of what you have done on the inside of us. A strong image of who we are in Christ Jesus. A strong image of our rights and privileges in and position in Christ Jesus and also a manifestation of our desires in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. For more copies of this teaching and other titles by Pastor Shola Adio, please call 0782-544-7990. You can also send an email to info at pastorshola.org.uk or visit the website at www.pastorshola.org.uk.